Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. Joseph was in Egypt. He was in Egypt because of a dream. Not long after the wise men had visited the child, not long after they bowed before him and offered him gifts, treasures suited for a king, Joseph had a dream. He was warned in a dream. An angel appeared to him in the dream. A messenger of the Lord spoke to him, told him to rise up, get up, and leave to flee Bethlehem. He was to take Mary and the child, Mary and Jesus, and to go that very night, go to Egypt. For Herod, King Herod, sought to kill the boy. So Joseph woke up. And once again, he was faithful. Once again, Joseph obeyed God's word. They went to Egypt. Now, centuries before, God's people had left the promised land. For Egypt. Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, Jacob, whom God renamed Israel, Jacob, his sons and their families left their homes to live in Egypt. But unlike Joseph, they did not flee to Egypt. They were invited to Egypt. There was a famine in the land. Food was scarce. But Egypt had food. Under the able administration of Joseph, Joseph, who was a son of Israel, Joseph, who was second in power only to Pharaoh, God prepared Egypt for the famine. Egypt had food. And God used this preparation to save his people. Joseph invited his family to live in Egypt, to see the famine through which they did. But they stayed much longer than the seven-year famine. They stayed 400 years. And over that time, over that 400 years in Egypt, they grew into a great nation. Over that time, that 400 years in Egypt, they also became slaves. The Egyptians held them in bondage until God sent Moses until God led them out of slavery, until God brought them back to the promised land. So for God's people, Egypt symbolized slavery. Egypt signified bondage. Joseph and Mary and Jesus were in Egypt. At this time, there was a sizable community of Jews there, especially in the city of Alexandria, But Matthew doesn't tell us where they were in Egypt. Matthew doesn't tell us how long they were in Egypt. It could have been as short as a few months. It could have been a few years. But once again, Joseph had a dream. An angel appeared to him. A messenger of the Lord spoke to him, told him to rise up, get up, and leave. This time he was told to rise and leave Egypt. Rise and return to Israel because Herod, King Herod, was dead. 
And once again, Joseph was faithful. Once again, Joseph obeyed God's word. He and Mary and Jesus traveled back to Israel. He and Mary and Jesus traveled back to the promised land, but they did not stay in Bethlehem. They did not stay in Jerusalem because once again, Joseph had a dream. He was worn in a dream, this time about Archelaus. Archelaus was the son of King Herod. After King Herod died, he left his kingdom to three sons. Archelaus presided over Judea and Samaria, which included the city of Jerusalem and the town of Bethlehem. When Archelaus began his reign, a group challenged his rule, and Archelaus responded to this challenge with a brutal statement of power. He slaughtered 3,000 Jews who were gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Well, sometime later, a delegation of nobles went to Rome to denounce Archelaus's rule and to, and to warn the emperor that if, if he continued to govern, then there would be a full-scale revolt. So in the year six, Archelaus was removed from office and banished. And rather than install another ruler like him, direct Roman rule was imposed through a prefect. And this was the office that Pontius Pilate held. Well, Joseph was warned about Archelaus, so he took Mary and Jesus to Galilee. He took Mary and Jesus to the region north of Judea, the region not ruled by Archelaus, and they lived in the city called Nazareth. Only Nazareth wasn't really a city, and Nazareth wasn't really a town. Nazareth was a village. When Joseph moved his family there, Nazareth maybe had 500 people living in it. Maybe. Probably less. Nazareth was located in the hill country. Nazareth was right off of a road, but it wasn't a main road. Four miles away from Nazareth was Sephoris, the, the, the capital of Galilee. The people went to Sephoris. You didn't go to Nazareth. And Nazareth wasn't that old. It didn't have much of a history. It's not even mentioned in the Old Testament. Nazareth was the backwoods, a village that was unknown, unimportant, insignificant, inconsequential, irrelevant. Now, some of you grew up in places like Nazareth. Some of you have gotten lost and driven through places like Nazareth. Some of you have gone on mission trips to places like Nazareth. Joseph and Mary and Jesus settled in Nazareth. They lived in Nazareth, made their home in Nazareth. And Matthew tells us that this was to fulfill the scripture. He tells us that this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophets, that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. Meaning, that's where he was from. That's where he grew up. He was a Nazarene. 
And, and whether it's fair or not, and whether it's, whether it's always true or not, we, we often make assumptions about people based on where they are from. I mean, you know, you've, you've, you've done it or you've heard it. Well, she is from the Delta. Oh. Or, or he grew up somewhere down on the coast. Ah. Well, Jesus would be called a Nazarene. Now, Matthew's not citing a specific passage from the prophets because, remember, Nazareth is not mentioned in the Old Testament. Rather, Matthew is pointing to a theme found in the prophets, a theme concerning the Messiah, a theme concerning the Christ, the the promised king, a, a theme seen in our readings from the prophets that we read this morning. Isaiah. Zechariah. Listen again to part of Isaiah 53. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of a dry ground. He had not form or majesty that we should look at him and not beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. We're from Zechariah chapter 11. Become a shepherd of the flock, doomed to slaughter. The, the, the theme is that the Messiah would be unrecognized. The theme is that the Messiah would be humble, a servant, a nobody. One who would be rejected, one who would be despised, one who would be mocked, one who would suffer, one who would die. Now, the popular expectation was that the Messiah would be a man of renown, a man of strength, a man of power, a man of might. Jesus was a Nazarene from nowhere, unimportant, insignificant, inconsequential, irrelevant. That a, that a Messiah would come from such a place was a ridiculous notion. I mean, in, in, in chapter one of John's gospel, Jesus calls Philip to follow him. And in his excitement, Philip goes and finds his friend Nathaniel to tell him about Jesus. And, and Philip tells him, we, we found him. We found the one of whom Moses wrote in the law. We found the one of whom the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. And here's Nathaniel's response to Philip. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, Nathaniel was from Cana. And Cana was only a few miles from Nazareth. Now, if that was his response, can anything good come out of Nazareth? If that was his response, then how would people respond in Judea? How would people respond in Jerusalem? This guy that you say the Messiah is from where? From where? Nazareth. The backwoods. Nowhere. A place unknown, unimportant, insignificant, inconsequential, irrelevant. But that's where Jesus grew up. 
That's where Jesus lived. God, God, the Almighty, the Eternal, the Everlasting, the Creator of all things in heaven and on earth, the one who has all power, all authority, all dominion, all might, the one who deserves all glory and all honor and all majesty, he entered his creation. He humbled himself, took on flesh, and he grew up in Nazareth, fulfilling the prophets, and at the same time, shattering expectations. He was humble, a servant. He was rejected, he was despised, mocked, suffered, he died. He was a shepherd doomed to slaughter on a cross. But the Father raised up this humble servant. The Father exalted this suffering shepherd. He glorified this Nazarene, his Messiah, his only begotten Son. He raised him from the dead. He seated him at his right hand, and he has given him all authority in heaven and on earth. Through Jesus, God has conquered. Through his selflessness, through his love, through his sacrifice. God has conquered. Sin is vanquished. Death is crushed. The evil one is overcome for you, for your salvation. because you're stuck. You're stuck in Egypt. You're in chains, a slave to the power of sin, in bondage to the power of sin. And, and here's what sin does. Here's what sin does. Sin, amongst other things, sin gives birth to pride in your mind, in your heart. Not, not pride as in self-respect, not, not pride as in self-esteem, but pride as in the exaltation of the self. And whether, whether you do that, whether, whether you do that because of, of your, your accomplishments or your background or your education or your profession or your family, or your friends, or your beliefs, or your political views, or your experiences, or your looks, or your talents, or your work ethic, or your integrity, or your virtue, or your piety, what, what, whatever it is, whatever aspect of yourself, you take it and you elevate yourself. And you do it over and against others. You exalt yourself over and against those around you. You exalt yourself over and against your neighbor. And you don't even have to speak it. Because it's in your heart. It's in your thoughts. And it's sin. Pride is sin. And it's sin because you're not loving your neighbor. It's sin because you're disparaging them. You're denigrating them. You're reducing them. You're, you're tearing them down while elevating yourself 
at sin, even if it's only in your mind, even if it's only in your heart. Jesus, the Nazarene, humbled himself. And he did so to save you from your sin, including your pride. To, to show you, to reveal the truth that you have nothing to be exalted about. You have nothing to elevate yourself about because sin has you in chains. It alienates you from God. It makes you an enemy of God where you are deserving of nothing but death and destruction. But Jesus humbled himself to free you. In love, he served you, breaking your bonds. Jesus passed through Egypt. He didn't stay there. He wasn't stuck there. He passed through Egypt for you. Don't stay in Egypt. Don't remain in chains. Follow him. Follow Jesus out of Egypt. Follow him to the promised land. Follow him to Nazareth. Follow him in humility. Exalt him, elevate him, the suffering servant, the slaughtered shepherd, because by his grace, he not only has brought you out of Egypt, but he has also lifted you up. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer an enemy. You're now a child, a child of the living God, no longer deserving death, but you're given life eternal life. And you are called to Nazareth to live like your Savior, to live like the one you follow, to live in humility, to live in love, to live selfishly, selflessly, to live sacrificially. A Nazarene. Early followers of Jesus were called Nazarenes. It was a title of ridicule, but it was a title that pointed to the truth of our Savior. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 